the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Paul did receive gifts and he was grateful for their kindness, their sensitivity, their thoughtfulness. However, it's important to understand that while he received their gifts, I mean, he didn't send it back. He never solicited these funds. He never asked anyone in the church for their money. He never told them that they had to support him, that he expected it. Never. And yet in his teaching, Paul made it clear that those who are called to a full-time ministry of preaching and teaching should receive an income from those who benefit from their ministry. Perception is a very interesting thing. Although Paul taught that it was right for those who preach the gospel in a full-time capacity to be financially supported by the church, yet in his own life he refused to seek financial support. Why? Well, Paul didn't want anyone to lump him in the same category with false teachers and think that like them he was ministering out of greed for money. I can't help but think what a great example the Apostle Paul was to these Ephesian elders and what a great example he is to us today. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio program featuring the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. This is our last session in this series, but we will be jumping into a new series on the next Verse by Verse. Right now, though, we are ready to hear from Pastor Steve. There were times when Paul did receive financial support from churches, such as when the Philippians sent Paul not only once, but more than once, financial gifts and probably supplies too, material goods that he needed. He writes about this in Philippians 4, verses 15 and 16. He says, you yourselves also know Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. So yes, Paul did receive gifts, and he was grateful for their kindness, their sensitivity, their thoughtfulness. However, it's important to understand that while he received their gifts, I mean, he didn't send it back. He never solicited these funds. He never asked anyone in the church for their money. He never told them that they had to support him, that he expected it. Never. And yet in his teaching, Paul made it clear that those who are called to a full-time ministry of preaching and teaching should receive an income from those who benefit from their ministry. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 13 and 14, the apostle wrote this. He said, do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple? 
and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar. So also the Lord directed that those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. It's rather clear. Again, in 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, Paul stated that elders who worked hard at teaching and preaching should be financially compensated for their labors. He said the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Again, Galatians 6, 6, Paul said the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Now, although Paul taught that it was right for those who preach the gospel in a full-time capacity to be financially supported by the church. He certainly taught that. Yet in his own life, he refused to avail himself of that right. He purposely did not avail himself of that right. And the reason he chose not to avail himself of the right to be financially supported was because, and this is very important, Paul didn't want anyone to lump him in the same category with false teachers and think that like them, he was ministering out of greed for money. Paul didn't want anyone to misunderstand. Once again, notice what he told the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 7 through 12. He said, who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock. He said, I'm not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. God isn't concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not. We did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Now, what is Paul saying? His thought here is while it was only natural and within his rights to receive wages and financial benefits for his work, just like soldiers do and farmers do and shepherds do, he chose not to use this right because he didn't want anyone misunderstanding his motives, thinking that he was just like every other religious con artist and huckster, and as a result, hindering the spread of the gospel. Paul said, I don't want to do that in any way. I don't want any misunderstanding. According to a number of references in his letters, Paul often worked as a tent maker. That was his skill, and he did it to earn a living so that others would know that he wasn't like the greedy false teachers who were so prevalent in the ancient world. And so he reminds the Ephesian elders that while in their city, he says he worked with his hands to support not only himself, but also the members of his missionary team. And this giving generous spirit, it wasn't limited to his colleagues. It was a way of life for Paul. 
It characterized him. Generosity was his way. He worked hard in order to help others who were in need. And he states this in the next verse. This goes beyond his missionary teammates. Verse 35. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, folks, this is the heart of what Paul wants these elders to know. This is the core. This is the meat of what Paul wants these elders to know concerning their pastoral responsibilities in relation to finances in the church. He says that by working hard, he illustrated something. He illustrated a great truth, a great principle to them that he wants them to learn and to apply. What was that truth? What was that principle? It was that they are responsible to financially help those who are weak, meaning those who are economically weak, in the church. In other words, Paul labored not only to meet his own needs, not only to meet the needs of the men who worked with him, but he also labored in order to have enough money to give to those who were poor and needy. Doing so, he was obeying, he says, the words of Jesus when he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, you may be thinking, I've never read those words by Jesus in the gospel accounts, and you're right, they're not there. The saying by Jesus is not found in the four gospel accounts at the beginning of the New Testament, and it is the only quotation of our Lord's from his earthly ministry that is not recorded in the four gospels. Now, we do have a record of some of the things he said in the book of Revelation, but that's after his earthly ministry. This is the only quote we have of Jesus during his time on earth in ministering in Israel that it's just not found in the four gospels. It's only found here. Nevertheless, it was obviously a well-known saying by the believers of that day. And we know this because in bringing up this quote to the Ephesian elders, Paul states, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. You can't remember something if you don't know it to begin with. So they knew this. So this was a statement given by Jesus that the early Christians were familiar with and could be called upon to remember. And it became part of what we refer to as the accurate oral tradition that they passed on to each other. And it is quoted here accurately by the Apostle Paul to make a point. That point being that while those who receive monetary gifts from others are blessed, why are they blessed? Well, because God has used these gifts to bless them by supplying their needs. That's why they're blessed. Nevertheless, those who give these gifts... They're even more blessed than those who receive it. And they're more blessed in their giving because by giving, they are able to reflect God's character of being merciful, loving, and generous. In other words, the great blessing in giving is demonstrating Christ's love to others. Yes, it's a blessing to receive, but it is even more of a blessing to give because you demonstrate the love of Christ to other people. See, the lesson that Paul wants these elders to understand, and it's something that all church leaders today need to understand, and that is that those who minister in the name of Jesus Christ need to be like Jesus by being generous in sharing what they have with those who are poor and needy. Jesus set the standard for giving when he said in Mark 10, 
verse 45, he said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. See, our Lord's ministry was all about serving others. It's all about giving. He served. He gave of his time. He gave of his energy. He gave of his money, his resources. He gave of himself for the good of others rather than expecting them to serve him. We also read about our Lord's generosity in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. This verse is a statement about Jesus giving up the independent use of his divine rights when he became a man. And he did this so that we who would believe on him would become spiritually rich. He's not talking about being materially rich, but spiritually rich by experiencing all the riches of salvation, like the forgiveness of all of our sins, like peace, like joy, like a divine new nature, transformation of character, spiritual intimacy with the Father, glory in heaven, all of this. These are the riches that we now have. So our Lord was, and he is, very generous. In fact, everything that you have, everything I have, is a generous gift from Christ. Paul said to the Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? The answer is nothing. Everything's been given to us by God. And therefore, those who represent him as overseers, as shepherds, need to have that same kind of generous heart so that their lives are characterized by giving to others. And that includes sharing their physical resources with those who are needy. One of the things that really, really, really bothers me, in fact, it's a pet peeve of mine. I don't have many pet peeves, but this is one of them, is that there are some pastors who feel that people in the business world should give them discounts for services rendered to them simply because, well, they're a pastor. They ought to get this. It's coming to them. Somehow they feel entitled to such discounts, sort of a professional courtesy. And so they ask for lower charges as if it's something that they deserve, something that, well, it's coming to them. What they don't realize, though, is what a horrible, horrible testimony that is for Christ. It it makes every other pastor look bad, look cheap, look greedy, look covetous. It conveys the thoughts that pastors are mercenary and they're covetous and they're takers rather than givers and that they're, they're no different than religious charlatans who take advantage of others for the sake of sordid gain. Now, it's not wrong if somebody offers a pastor a discount if he wants to take it. That's not wrong. But what is wrong is to feel like you're entitled to that, that it's coming to you. They ought to give it to you. You deserve it. That's horrible. Paul would never do that, and no man of God today should ever do that. Listen, the whole point that the apostle is making To the elders of Ephesus is that, like him, they should make sure that their lives are characterized by giving to others and not taking from them. Pastors as spiritual leaders should be men known for their generosity, and not only with their money and their possessions, but also with the time and energy that they give to others in ministering to them. And this truth about giving, this truth about generosity, listen, it isn't limited 
to elders. Elders are to set the example for everybody else in the church, but you are responsible to being generous and giving to others too. This truth is taught in the word of God that all Christians are responsible to be generous. For example, we read in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as he is purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, he said, to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good work. Let me give you the basic thought, the basic thrust of these verses, is that as God's people, we are called to be generous and liberal in our giving to others. And if you do that, then God will be generous and liberal in meeting your needs. Again, we read in Ephesians 4.28, He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. What a tremendous truth. Here we read that it's not enough for you to work hard so that you can take care of yourself and your family. I mean, that's commendable, that's right, but it's not enough. Paul says that we are to labor so that we can share some of our earnings with those who are in need. You may think, well, I'm fairly poor. There's always somebody who's poorer than you. Always somebody. This is what the Word of God teaches. We are to work hard to be sensitive to give to others outside of our taking care of our family, those who are poor. So the question is, do you do that? Are you alert to that? You should, because this is the clear teaching of Scripture. As God's people, we are called to reflect the generous, giving character of our God. And elders, in particular, are to lead the way by example, because they are to set the example for everybody else. So, with these words about elders being givers and not takers, Paul has now completed his farewell address to these men by charging them with these five responsibilities for leading their flock. Number one, they are to pay attention to their own lives. Two, they are to shepherd all the flock. Three, they are to be on the alert for false teachers. Four, they are to depend upon God and his word. And five, they are to be characterized by giving rather than taking. So having finished his instruction for the Ephesian elders, the chapter now closes with a very touching and tender scene as Paul says his goodbyes to these men. We read in verses 36 through 38. When he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. So with Paul's address finished, Luke records that the apostle then got on his knees and prayed with the elders. And knowing that he had to leave them, that this would be the very last time they would all be together with him, they began to cry, to weep out loud, embracing Paul, repeatedly kissing him. Glad there was no social distancing at that point. So you look at this and you think, what a deep And what an affectionate love they had for Paul. In fact, in the Greek text, it's even more descriptive, more expressive 
of their love for him than what we read in our English translation. Here's how the Greek reads. Having fallen on his neck, they kept on kissing him. They didn't want to let him go, but he had to go. This is just a very tender, very touching scene of how much they loved this great man of God and how much they would miss him. And even after this great display of affection, they were so saddened to see him leave and they didn't want him to go that they actually, Luke tells us, they accompanied him to the ship where he would then get on board and continue his journey to the city of Jerusalem. Now, as I told you when we began this study of this passage several weeks ago, I've been looking forward to going through these verses for nearly 40 years of my ministry because they reveal some of the most important truths for pastors to know and to apply to their own lives. But I also told you at that time, and I tell you again, these truths are also essential for every member of the church to know. Why? Because it helps you to understand the role of your elders and how to effectively pray for them. You pray these responsibilities, you are praying according to the will of God. So I hope that you'll pray for your elders. I hope that you'll apply these truths to not only your life, but also praying that the elders will apply them to their lives. And in particular, the truth that we covered today, that elders are to be characterized by being men who give of themselves rather than take And then to pray that you too would be obedient to this principle because we are all to reflect God's character of generosity. So, will you be more conscious of giving? And I'm not talking about your weekly giving, the church. This is above and beyond that. You're giving to other people. Will you be more aware than ever of not coveting what others have, but doing just the opposite of looking to see what opportunities There are for you to to give your resources to others. Even if you don't have a lot, give something. Give something. And I want to commend you as a congregation because you are very generous. You are very thoughtful. You are very sensitive to give to those who are in need. And that's reflected every time we take a benevolent fund offering. You are very, very generous. But there's always room for improvement for all of us. And if you're not a believer in Christ, then understand this about God. He is a giver. God is not a taker. He is a giver. And he has given his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, so that you could be forgiven of your sins. Jesus gave his life on the cross in place of sinners just like you. He paid the full price of their sin by being judged and by being punished by God the Father. He loves you and he desires that you call upon him to save your soul. So today, if God has worked in your heart, today is the day of your salvation. Don't harden your heart. If you hear his voice within you, affirming these truths that you know you need Christ, let today be the day you call upon him to save you. And if you want to speak to one of our elders about this, then I invite you to come up to the front after we close the service, and I'll put you in touch with one of them. So if you're one of the elders here today, if you can come up at the close of the service and just be available, that would be great. Well, let's, let's join our hearts in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are so generous. You are so thoughtful. Lord, it's true that everything we have comes from you, and it's all on loan by you. We brought nothing into this world, and surely we will take nothing out of this world. But we do know 
that we have been given spiritual riches. We do know that there's an inheritance waiting for us in glory. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of our elders to take heed to these truths, to be men who are not covetous, men who are givers. And I pray that our congregation would follow suit and be very thoughtful and care for the poor and care for the needy, especially those who are part of the household of God. So Lord, we pray that you will take these truths, apply them to our lives. I do pray for any here who don't know Christ, who maybe they even profess to know him, but their their lives reflect that they really don't know him. They're just stuck on themselves and life is all about them. I pray for conviction of sin. I pray for the Spirit of God to work in their hearts to draw them to yourself. This we pray all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's verse-by-verse program. This has been a wonderful series that Pastor Steve has brought to us. I hope you have learned much from this teaching. And let me encourage you to surf over to versebyverseradio.org, click the radio tab, and find the podcast link. That will give you a chance to review any of the messages in this series. Also, if you are in the Clearwater, Florida area, you have an invitation to attend Lakeside Community Chapel. If you take that opportunity, be sure to mention that you heard about the church on this radio program. We have concluded the series, A Faithful Shepherd Says Farewell, and it has been good. On the next program, we are, on the next program, we are going to begin a series that is titled, <laughs> well, you'll just have to join us next time to find out what it is. See you then. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.